Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Yeah! Not only producer Emily is going to be excited about it, we've talked about it a lot so far today, and I think that we, Al, have at least found the jump-off point for her, uh, her podcast, MTV, where she breaks it down in depth. I'm gonna I'm gonna twist her arm a little bit to get started on that because this seems like the right time. Yeah, and you will be a consultant. Yeah. I will be an assistant. Whoever needs coffee. Um whoever <laughs> needs uh, You're gonna be a production assistant? <laughs> whoever needs water. Um prepare, Starbucks run, I'm in. Prepare my trailer, Al. Make sure that I have only green M and M's in the bowl and uh <laughs> <laughs> right. Those are always great. Those riders. So you you know the the concert riders where I think the famous one was Van Halen didn't want brown M and M's in their M and M mix, and that it wasn't that they were being huge pains in the ass be, to you know be divas or whatever. It was to make because sure, they taste different. No, no, they wanted to make sure that whoever was reading the contract had actually read the contract. Mm. That it was like kind of one of those little nuggets in there that you, if you're just kind of breezing through it and skimming it you miss that note and they would know okay this is not a real person they did not see that note it wasn't that they cared it was that they wanted to make sure if somebody was reading the contract or not well it's not it's not like they're being divas but they're being divas kind of by, by having a good contract <laughs> i don't know feels like they're uh i'm with taylor here it sounds diva to me then let me write your guys' contracts then. I'm going to slide some stuff <laughs> where there's going to be one little sentence that says, and oh, by the way, all of your money goes to Travis. And okay. it'll be hidden in the green M&M uh, conundrum. Do you know what this has caused? not conundrum. Do you know what this has caused me to do? Because we're talking about heartbreaking losses and yeah. everything else. It caused me to go back on YouTube. <laughs> you and see? I'm watching San Diego Padres – Versus the New York Yankees in 1998. Yeah, that was a little lopsidedly. (laughs) Game one of the World Series, which let's just say that set the tone for the rest of the way. I know they got swept, but I'm like the Laker fan that's saying, yeah, but if we grabbed game one, anything could have (laughs) happened. Tino Martinez at the plate. Remember, I think it was Mark Langston? Yeah. Does that sound right? One of the relievers for the Padres. 2-2 pitch, bases loaded, game tied at five. Okay. Do you know what I'm talking about? It was he threw a perfect strike and they called it a ball. Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Was that it's a two two pitch. You can't throw it any more down the middle. It was it split the plate in half. Ball. The the fact that you know that, okay? They call a ball very (laughs) next pitch. Tino Martinez hits a grand slam. (laughs) Well, if that's not a strike, what is? What is? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you should be a Dodger fan, Slee. Come on over. It's nice and warm over here. A lot of a lot of good stuff happens. I'm so accustomed to disappointment. I'm very happy where I am. <laughs> a real quick tweet here. Francis in Glendale. My sports heartbreak moments are, and we, let, let me back up a little bit here. Today was the anniversary of Robert Ory knocking down that shot to beat the uh, Kings in the Western Conference Finals, was it, Taylor? Oh, yes. Yeah, 21 years ago today. So that was kind of Taylor's baptism into terrible sports moments, and we've been reminiscing about all of those and francis writes my sports heartbreak moments are the clippers existing the patriots 18 in one season and every time paul in huntington beach calls your show 
Ouch. <laughs> Jeez, man. What is going I, on here? I, I love – so he and John and Fullerton have a very deep-seated dislike of Paul and Huntington Beach. I don't get it. I, I like Paul. <laughs> OC turf wars. I, I, I like Paul and Huntington Beach's calls. He's a huge Dodger fan like me. We can kind of commiserate on these things, but those guys are – they're not here for it, Slee. Worst sports moment are Paul's calls. <laughs> seems aggressive. <laughs> it seems like a lot. It's That's going, very aggressive. Let's go on the road. Wow. Idaho. Chris. Chris, you're all with Trav and Slee. What's up, Chris? Hey, guys, how you doing? First of all, I want to let you know I listen to you guys all the time. I use the ESPN app. It is as easy as you say, and I get entertained. I grew up down in Southern California, transplanted here way back in 1982. Wow. But it still has sports roots there. Excellent. Thank you, Chris. Whoa. Yeah, okay, well, and you guys need to win all the Mandy's. But anyway. Um, Did you vote? My sports <laughs> I'm going to. I've got three email addresses. Don't tell anybody. Um, <laughs> get 30. <so> <laughs> Yeah, so um, mine goes back. I'm 66 years old, but my first Major League Baseball game was at an Angels game in Anaheim, so I became an Angels fan. And in 1986, up 3-1 to one on the Boston Red Sox. Oh, yeah. Game five is in Anaheim. It's 5-2 to two lead in the ninth inning. And they get give up the lead. Not give up the lead yet. It's 5-4. to four. And then a guy gets on, and so they bring in Donnie Moore to pitch to Dave Henderson. Mm -hmm. And Dave Henderson, after the game, said he had no clue what was coming, except he hit a home run to put the Red Sox ahead 6-5. to five. And then they, the Angels tied in the ninth. And what, there's a great picture in Sports Illustrated where um, the catcher, Gedman, is reaching out with his glove to tag the runner, but the ball's in his right hand. And you can see it plain as day. So he shouldn't have been out. But he wasn't. He was safe. Doug DeSensei and Bobby Gritch come up one after the other. All they need is a base hit to win the game, go to the World Series. They fail. It goes to 11 innings. The Red Sox win it. And um, Al Michaels. Yeah, I was just going to say, Greg, I don't mean to cut you off, but it, it, you, you bring up a great point. That's a great game. If you were an Angel fan, that would be uh, – excuse me, Chris, that would be an absolutely devastating moment. I'm glad you said what you said. Everything's on YouTube now, so you can go find it. Al Michaels is doing the play-by-play -play of that playoff game, and it, it is – I know we think of Miracle on Ice and all the other wonderful Al Michaels moments. He's so good calling that game. He is mm. so good calling it. And it they, not only did they bring Donnie Moore into that one, Slee, to kind of blow it at that point, I believe it was Mike Witt, I'm going by memory here, who was the Angels' ace at that point, was – pitching pretty well and he's like i'm not coming out of this game and gene mock hooked him and that's exactly what happened so yep that add that one to the list my favorite is um you know we, we got a three-day weekend coming up and people are excited they spent some time with family there's a lot to be look forward to and we decided on the day before memorial day weekend or the day leading into memorial day weekend Let's go through every heartbreak well, that we could think of as a sports fan. Look, it's I'll, not my fault. It's Twitter's fault. No, no, Twitter's you, fault. You you sent it to me, and you knew that the second I got a chance to kind of give Taylor the needle, that I was going to do it. Well, this is this is kind of what you do because I was like, eh, maybe we could t chat about it a little bit in the dump. You took it immediately and was like, no, now. we're yeah, we're it's running with this. The rest of the show. <laughs> That's how we're going <laughs> to do it. Speaking of CB Valley and Carrie, Carrie, you're all with Travis Sleeve. What's up? Uh, hey, guys, love your show. Uh, great rapport. And I'll tell you my story really quickly. So I was lucky enough growing up. My dad uh, used to get tickets. He would split season tickets. 
106, row 15, nice tickets. Uh, and we would go to like two or three games a year and some of those being playoff games. So we were lucky enough to get tickets to game four of the 07 uh, Lakers finals. Or sorry, maybe it was 08. And uh, so we get to the game. We do our normal routine. We listen to 710 the whole way down. We talk basketball. Get in there. We're talking. We're chatting. The Lakers are up by 24. We're celebrating. My dad goes to the shop at halftime and buys a new shirt for a Lakers shirt, and he changes it at halftime. And then, of course, big comeback. Uh, Lakers end up losing that game. Worst loss in finals history. And so the game ends. We're just sitting there staring. Uh, most of the crowd is left. We get up. We don't say a word to each other. We walk to the car. We don't say a word. Get in the car. The radio turns on for 710. My dad shuts it off. <laughs> we drive our 45 minutes home. Uh, silence. Get out of the car at his house. Uh, I give him a big hug. Say, I love you. Don't say another word. Get in my car. Walk away. Drive away. And then the only good thing about that was the following year, uh, uh, when they were playing the Celtics and they were, it was halftime. I changed my shirt at my house. They ended up winning. I called my dad and I said, screw you. Uh, I changed my shirt. <laughs> this one goes to me. So I love the, I love Trav that that's it. They both had this, like there was an unspoken rule of now we're good. Yeah, there's nothing to say. There's nothing you could say to me in this 45 minute drive that's going to do anything. So let's just not talk, even though we're both in the same car. You just got to kind of soak in it, right? That That's what makes it so much fun is that sometimes it really, really sucks. If it was just highs and middles, all right, whatever. I mean, that's not the worst thing ever, but that there's the potential of complete disaster is what makes it so compelling. If there was no chance that you could feel terrible at the end of this, does the high actually feel that good? If it's if it's that safe, right? No, it's it's the possibility of it being a catastrophe that makes it super exciting. The Dodgers won 111 games last year, getting ready to go on a run. They were out in four games. Yeah, but and, what are you gonna do? And it was a, just a, the worst feeling ever. That's why it's fun. Cronenworth was Ted Williams for a game. Not now. He's not. No, not. <laughs> He's back. He's back to being Cronenworth. When do you hit the panic button on that one, Al? Because they I, but they, I, they won the kidding. series against the Nats, right? They got a they got a late home run yesterday to to win that series. Nats. Okay, can I, can I tell you something? Can I tell you something? It was the panic button's been there for over a month, and I'm not kidding. They started out the way they even started the season. They were just zero and two before you blinked, and you're like, what? Just so we're this is how it's going to be. Yesterday's game against the Nats, Trav. They're up five one. In the seventh inning, they gave up five runs. They're down six to five. Mm. Okay, against the Nets. Nets had seven hits in a row. I'm going to tell you again. The Nationals hit seven had seven hits in a row. Base hits. Yeah, base hits. There was um, there was a moment earlier when they're up five one, where the bases are loaded, nobody out, and a three zero count for Bog- uh, Bogarts. They didn't score that inning. Did you hear what I just said? <laughs> so panic button's been there for a while, my brother. Yeah. Uh, well, 
not not for me yet. Well, a it's not really a panic of mine, but I'm kind of secret, not even secretly enjoying it. I'm kind of enjoying it. You should. I, I just don't think it's going to last. I, I I think that it's going to turn. I They'll think surprise you. There. Well, maybe you look. It will you, last. You're more familiar with the the mojo of San Diego teams than I am. You're more familiar of the. Uh, the, the doomsday scenario where no no I know we just went and spent a billion dollars on players but we're going to be bad I I understand that that's the pool that you're swimming in I just have watched too many teams over too many years and good players ultimately are good players they're going to be all right you know it's you know it's funny when I I told you I fell down this Mark Langston rabbit hole <laughs> I did not realize this they did an article in the Union Tribune down in SD. 20 years later, the pitch remains vivid, <laughs> vivid moment in Padres World Series run. A full article on just the pitch. Yes. Al, yeah. I, I, I don't know if it's because I got to know Mark Langston a little bit when I worked at the Angels and he, Maybe, was, calling, yeah. he was calling the Angel games. And I, I know I've had this conversation with him about that pitch, but I, I re, I'm not a Yankee fan. I'm not a Padre fan. I, yeah, I, I remember. <laughs> and it was one of those. And the worst part about this, and this kind of goes to what we're talking about, just disasters in sports. Yeah. You knew he was going to do something on the next pitch. Like it was, it, it maybe not a grand slam, but there was no chance you were getting him out. There, there was no chance. The, the baseball gods will not allow you to get a Yankee hitter that good, Tino Martinez, give yep. him four strikes. If you give him four strikes, he's going to do something bad. And he did. He'll just turn on one, hit it to the upper deck in right field with the bases loaded in the World Series. <laughs> that happens. What are you going to do? What are you, the good news is you haven't been back since. That's exciting. <laughs> you suck. <son of> a... <laughs> That's all right. It could happen this year. Probably won't, but it could. No, it you, you, you never know what's going on. All right. Won't. Let's go back to the Lakers and talk about uh, what Brian Windhorst said on your show about the Lakers having a, quote, terrific season. We'll do it next. It's Travis Lee, 710 ESPN. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code FIRSTTAKE and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matter more, more than, than ever. ever. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to gamble responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. This U.S. promotional offer not available in D.C. Mississippi, North Carolina, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369 for New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. For Massachusetts, 1-800-327-5050. For Iowa, 1-800-BETS-OFF. For Puerto Rico, 1-800-981-0023. For West Virginia, visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. First bet offer for new customers only. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. In partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. 
So we've been talking about heartbreaking losses for probably the last hour or so. You know, we all have our own little heartbreaking losses out there. So I obviously have had a lot of those with uh, trivia and, you know, where I think like, oh, I, I definitely need that answer. Is it, so your worst <laughs> trivia loss relative to Furman this year? So obviously I feel more worse about that, but <laughs> okay. it's like, but I can't affect the Furman loss. I can affect this trivia loss. Like I'm mad at myself that I didn't get this one answer that was Kevin Durant. I was like, how did I not know it was Kevin? I'm the sports person. Anyway, right. All this stuff. But so on Wednesday, I was babysitting instead of going to my normal trivia group. But uh, we all... Celebrity babysitting? <laughs> yeah, celebrity <laughs> to the stars nannying au pair babysitting <laughs> thing that I'm doing. Okay. Uh, but I... Uh, so they, te- I told them, I was like, I pinky triple promise I will not look up anything, but I'm normally with the group, and I think it's acceptable that they could text me questions, okay. and that I could answer or give my opinion. I did not look up anything up. I double, triple promised on my life, and I didn't, and I did help a little bit. I don't, <laughs> our team didn't do, like, we didn't get first or second or whatever. We were in the hunt, but is that acceptable? Is that cheating? Okay, I got a couple of questions. Did sure. they replace you with a different person because you weren't there? No. No. So no. you had the, the correct amount of brains involved. Yes. No additional brains okay. involved. Okay. So that helps your case. Yeah. If you are asking me specifically in this case, and you said to me, hey, your colleague and friend Emily Hebel is doing this. Is this cheating? I would say, no, it's not because I trust you to do the right thing. If you say you're not going to cheat, I believe you. If I were on one Except of the, in the snake draft, <laughs> hey. if I were on one of the other teams it's in the Barsley draft. and I found out they were texting someone who wasn't there for answers, yeah. that absolutely is cheating. Yeah. Maybe yeah, talk no, to I, talk I, to I, your quizmaster Emily, you know, and then you can FaceTime with your with your teammates. That That's might be true. An That's another one. It's it's let's uh, not. It's more difficult to cheat if you're on FaceTime. Yeah. Al, what do you think? Is it cheating? I think Trav, that's kind of that's the proper explanation there, right? I I think if there's certain steps that you would call, I think it becomes a little shady. Yes. But you know what I mean. So I think that's probably the best way to describe. If it. If I don't know you and I'm on another team, I'm like no, our friend Emily's super honest. She would never cheat. I'm like, yeah, I don't. She's give also a damn. always here. Yeah, like, but I'm I don't care. She's she's got the Encyclopedia Britannica open in yeah. front of her and she's looking this stuff up. You guys are cheating. You deserve. Come on. Banished from the bar. Hey, I don't know. I'm sure other groups cheat too. So, I mean, well, that's, now, it's now kind you of all sound like of me when it comes to like <laughs> everyone else is taking steroids. Go yeah. ahead, well, load also, up. There's, there's no don't way people are getting all these answers right. There's something that was like name all the last ten chief justices of the Supreme Court. I'm like, I no one knows that. Anyway, whatever. Two. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Google knows it. <laughs> yeah, quickly. <laughs> yeah, you can figure that out. In All right, more of your uh, misery sports moments coming up in a bit. So I was listening to um, your Lakers talk, your interview with Brian Windhorst, and w- I think it was the, actually the very first question that you asked him, you know, w- what do you make of the, the Lakers season that they just put together? And he instantly, just right away said, I thought it was terrific. I thought it was a terrific season for the Lakers. Then he wanted, went on to explain why. I, I understand that conclusion. I understand getting to the point where you think, hey, that was a great season or a terrific season to, to be accurate. And I think it was a very good season. That I think it was a completely unexpected result considering where they they started. I think that you, you're really, really pessimistic if you look at this anything other than a giant step in the right direction. It's all of those things. 
But a terrific season that ends in a four-game sweep when there was a clear gap between the best team in the conference and you, I don't know if that's a terrific – it's it's positive momentum, it's it's good news for the future, but a terrific season felt like a bridge too far. Does it, does it change for you if – so tonight would have been game six, right? Because I think they, they lost Monday game four, Wednesday would have been game five, yeah, tonight right. would have been game six. Yeah. If, let's say, Lakers won a couple of games, that it wasn't a sweep. But it was still kind of how it played out, right? Where the games were close and um, and Denver was still winning more of the close ones. But Lakers had one or two go their way. Does Is it, is it because... Because I remember this against the Warriors that we talked... At least this was my... From what I remember of it, it was kind of... I don't want to say they were playing with house money, but by the time they got through the Warriors or it seemed like they were up three games to one, you could look at it and say, all right, Lakers are going to eventually win this series because they're just better than the Warriors. Mm -hmm. And then they're in the final four. Okay, let's say you're out against the Denver Nuggets. It sounds like to me it's how they... How quick it ended that has an effect for you where I think... It, it's I, I, the ending, and it's and it's the path to get there. And I'm not taking anything away from their win against the Memphis Grizzlies. They played really well, and they beat a team that had, you know, moments. That's that's fine. They beat a Warriors team that was clearly not of championship caliber, and they did, and they dispatched them relatively quickly and and with I don't want to say with ease, but there was never really a moment where you thought the Lakers weren't going to win that series. But it was really good matchups for them. Like I've said before, in, in an alternate universe. If they run into the Nuggets in the first round, which they were about five minutes away from doing, we're having a totally that's an different interesting discussion. One. We're yeah, that's a an totally interesting different discussion. So mm-hmm. I think it's all of it. I, that's why I think it's mostly positive. But to think that it's terrific. For instance, the Celtics are the two seed and the Heat are the eight. So yeah. let's pretend it was the opposite. Let's pretend that the Heat were the two seed and the Celtics were at the bottom and that the Celtics are hanging in there. They got a couple of games back. They made it a series. You start to think, hey, this if that were the Lakers' lot and how this had unfolded and ultimately they still lose in six games or seven games, then I think it's much more like, hey, we just we, we made a couple of mistakes. We kicked a couple of games, but we can beat those guys. We're on the same level with those guys. And you'd gone through a tough series at Philly and a team that kind of had your number during the regular season and you beat them anyway. That path feels more, I, I don't know, hard-earned. And I don't like that because the Lakers, what they did was hard-earned. But the Lakers got a pretty nice little draw through it. They took advantage of it to their credit. But when they finally ran into that team, the difference was no – you didn't have to be a basketball expert to go, oh, yeah, that team's better than that team. You didn't I, have to do that. I'll say this. I'll say that there is they're going to have some options and some paths, and I really actually do feel there's a very strong likelihood this is it, right? This will be Braun's the, – the likelihood of Braun playing his last season with the Lakers, probably very likely. This could be it this year, and this will be their last opportunity to chase a chip. It became more realistic, and before the season started – I don't think if you'd have said, hey, Al, what if I told you that the Lakers are going to make it to the Western Conference Finals and then lose? How they lost, let's put that to the side for a second. But they get to the Western Conference Finals and lose. I would tell you that, nah, it ain't happening, brother. I, I Just yeah, tell, me, that's fair. tell me the path that they're going to get there. The fact that they got there and that they do have flexibility to make some changes now and get a little bit more talent, I think actually that that's probably why I'm, I'm – 
optimistic about what's ahead for the Lakers because I, I and I really do believe this will be their final their final shot. Yeah, but you said something there. So the idea of we're close, let's run it back, let's keep the core together. I think we need to be very specific in that. And Rob said that it, our, it is our intention to keep our core players together. What does that mean? It, it's it's. I think we kind of know, but it's also very ambiguous at the same time. The core is obviously LeBron and AD. I think when he talks about the other part of the core, you he put, said core young players core young too. players core young yep. players that includes Reeves. I think you can make you know you don't have to squint to see that that includes Hachimura, right? That he's a part of that too. But when you talk about hey, let's not get too crazy. Let's not do too many things. Let's not you know go out and kick the tires on Fred Van Vliet or or Kyrie or any of these other guys. Your other the the rest of your roster beyond those four guys that you're talking about running back and and Winhorst said this on your on on your show. Vanderbilt, Beasley, Mo Bamba, D'Lo, they they didn't even play in the yep. final. They, they literally were not even playing. D'Lo played a little bit. Those other guys almost not at all. Are we talking about running it back with those guys in there, or at least some of those guys, or is it just running it back with AD, LeBron, Reeves, and then we'll figure out the rest from there? Let's say you kept everybody. Let's just play for an exercise. You kept everybody. You can play with that roster in the regular season. Yep. You can win a lot of games in the regular season. I think that that roster does have its ceiling. And I don't think that – I think that roster actually this year is probably the ceiling where you can win some playoff games, you can get a couple rounds in, but are you going to win the whole thing? No, you're probably not. So I, I think even if they brought back everybody, they're still okay. And then you could kind of juggle by the time you get to the trade deadline, all right, we know we don't have enough talent, we know we have these picks. It's funny – you know, Dave McMenamin had a good article of some different paths the Lakers can take. And you forget they actually have def- decent draft compensation this year, too. They got they the do. number 17 pick. They got the number 42 pick. They have their 2029 20, pick, too, their 2030 pick. No, you're talking about what? Tell me those picks at 17 and 42. Is that what you Something said? Something like that. Yep. So, but they found NBA players in those spots. The, the Lakers, I, I think the. The best thing, it's not the only good thing, but the best good thing you can say about Rob Palenka, they, he's found NBA players late in the first round and in the second round. That That is a skill that he has that I think is of high NBA quality to identify the guy that is not a lottery pick and say, you know what, that guy's an NBA player. We're, we're, and, and he's going to, now he's an NBA player, he's going to be a good NBA player. Think Kyle Kuzma, think Josh Hart, sure. think, think guys like that that weren't Lonzo Ball and D'Angelo Russell, who were the second pick in the draft, or Julius Randle, who was a lottery pick, but guys that, you know, 20 other teams, 25 other teams could have picked and they didn't. He's very good at that. I think they're going to, I, I don't think that they will, I think they're going to use the assets that they have to get more talent. How they do it and when they do it, we'll have to wait and see. But ultimately, I think they got a lot to build off of. Is D'Angelo part of the build? I, I, because the the answer to this is terrifying to me. The, 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 is he part of the build? And in, and and if he is, in what way? Is he Trav, part of the I, bill? Is in I'm I'm going to keep this ad because it's it's something I can sell later, or is it something yeah. that I'm bringing in because I think it's going to help me now? I think they're going to use him as needed. And I don't think the use him would mean next playoff run that D'Angelo Russell is a part of it. That's my personal opinion. My personal opinion is I think he brought down his value as far as what he's going to make per year. 
uh, which will be an advantage to the Lakers if they bring him back. But I think they will use D'Lo as a chess piece. That That's the best way that I, I, I can look at it. The doctor's office is open. Dr. Sliwa, Dr. Rogers, we're going to give you your sports therapy on the traumatic moment in your life that turned you into a real sports fan. It's coming up next. It's Travis Lee, 710. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. ESPN. So it was 21 years ago today that Robert Ori knocked down what is one of my favorite sports videos. Like, not the four, my favorite sports moments, Lee, necessarily, but just that overhead shot at what was then Staples Center when Vladi knocks it out towards the top of the key on a missed shot. And Ori's standing there. He catches it on a bounce, and he lets it go. The ball's flying through the air. Every Laker fan in the building is holding their breath, waiting to see what's happened. It splashes in, and every last person in that building jumps to their feet. It's one of the coolest videos I've ever seen in my life. They say, I've heard plenty of people say this that were at the game, that literally Staples Center was shaking. I believe it. Just the, the way everybody's jumping up and down. Lakers are down the entire game. The fact that it ends up, remember, it's Kobe and Shaq that got shots off. It didn't go in. Right. Vlade tips it out, or he's just wait. Well, how does Ori always end up with the ball at the end? Some guys got that thing, right? They got that thing where just good stuff. Rob, what he is takes that, that is he step. By the way, take, yeah, yeah. I mean, seven times. No disrespect to Big Shot Bob. None, none, none. He was never the best player on any of those teams. Seven. You get to go play with Hakeem. You get to go play with Shaq and Kobe. You get to go play with Tim, Tim Duncan. Duncan. Oh I mean, my come gosh. On, man. But he was always, you know, you're right. He was never the star, never the. But it was important on all of them. But was so clutch. Yeah. He never. It's it's funny for somebody that doesn't have, man. That that's truly the definition of the clutch gene. When you don't have the ball all the time, you're never. It's you're never guaranteed to be in any kind of rhythm where you hit a couple jumpers in a row. But yet, if you get the ball at the end, everybody's. Like, oh no no don't don't let him touch the ball. He was always. That's that really truly is the definition of a clutch player, a player that is not the best player, but is the most dangerous player on the floor at the end of a game. So you did, we didn't want Taylor to feel isolated and singled out. So we've all kind of cut our wrists and and been spilling our souls about what's been going on in our sports hearts. And I'm surprised this one took so long to come up. I, I knew it was only a matter of time. Let's go to Rancho Cucamonga and Christopher. Christopher, you're on with Travis Lee. What's up? Uh, yes, man. I'm still heartbroken. You know, two weeks from now will be 30th anniversary of the Montreal school job over the L.A. team <laughs> because of uh, Mc, uh, Marty McSorley's stick. The curved stick. 
So Hello? yeah, we got you, Christopher. Can you hear me? Yeah. Hello. Hi, Chris. <laughs> hey, how's it going? Good, man. What's new? <laughs> well, yeah, you know the Montreal screw job in hockey when uh, Montreal screwed us out of that game two win in the Stanley Cup Finals in 1993. Yeah. No. Thanks for the call, Chris. It, it's. Marty McSorley had an illegally curved stick. The Kings were getting ready to win the game and potentially go and win their first ever Stanley Cup. I forget who the head coach of the Canadians was at the time, but they basically took a shot in the dark and said, you know, let's let's measure the curve on his stick. It was illegal. It's a penalty. He goes into the penalty box. They score. Kings don't win the Cup. So yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that 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 uh was was on it took that long to get there, not a huge surprise. I was a little wrong about something earlier, Taylor. I said Van Halen and Green M&Ms with that story. The story about Well, the yellow? They were it was the Rolling Stones and Green M&Ms. <laughs> That's what it was, but the the nuts and bolts of the story Check your contracts, too. guys. Check yeah, your contracts. Ch- check them. Make sure that they're right. Uh Santa Barbara, got to get a gaucho in here, potential gaucho at least. Greg in Santa Barbara, what's going on, Greg? What's up, fellas? Thanks for taking my call. So my heartbreaking, devastating, devastating defeat was when the 49ers lost to the Seattle Seahawks in 2014. That was the Michael Crabtree, Richard Sherman game. Oh, yeah. I couldn't I – didn't, I didn't watch sports for a whole year after that. <laughs> Really? Uh, that's how that's how devastating that's how devastating that was. In fact, I didn't watch the Super Bowl. I went to go see Wolf of Wall Street instead. <laughs> I was good movie. I was heartbroken. Heartbroken. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Greg. Yeah, no, look, I, I was when it happens. What did I say last year when the Dodgers won 111 out and they got they got sent home? Fun by season, the super fun season. And I said, <laughs> you know, great. Now I got to wait nine months until the playoffs start all over again. I can't wait. I'm still waiting, but I, I I'm not leaving. I want the the highs, the lows, everything in between. But this is this is what makes it fun. Even if you super fun season that that call from Greg where he didn't watch sports for a year I I don't think I could do that I think I'd lose my mind yeah I can't do that I can't do I mean it's it's bad I mean what I I think for me when when those moments happen you want nothing to do with that team for a while you don't want to see any highlights you don't want to follow the sport any further if you know it's this is in the playoffs but then you know a month goes by or if it's a completely different sport I could watch the other sport (laughs) right who are we going to get? Who are we going to sign? Who are we going to trade? Who are we going to fire? Let's let's keep going and let's figure it out. Nick in Riverside. Nick, you're on with Travis Lee. What's up? Hey, so uh, my traumatic story I have is um, it's uh, it happened back in uh, 2010 NBA Finals Game 7. Obviously, we all know the Lakers win, so it ends up being a good story. But the way I found out was terrible. So, we went to our uncle's house. There's like a family thing that happened that we had to go to, but the game seven was still on. So we had to figure out how to watch game seven of the NBA finals, like your Celtics. Obviously we're excited. We have it, the DVR recorded, but my uncle, for whatever reason said, Oh, I want to check the Padres score real quick. So we went to check the Padres score uh, while we were watching the beginning of the fourth quarter. And instead of going back to the DVR, he went to live feed on ABC, uh, and all the, the first thing I see is Kobe on the 
saying with confetti coming down. Oh, no. So, <laughs> so we're happy that they won, but we didn't get to see how. We didn't get to see the Ron Artest shot live. And we were just so mad at our uncle. It was like, wow, Lakers game seven Celtics. And we couldn't actually see it by, happen. Yeah, by the way, changing the channel in June for a Padre game, <laughs> probably not. You were good. You are good to just take your chances with that. So, Nick, I, I, I genuinely have empathy for your story. That That is terrible. But you just kind of described why you can never watch sports on tape delay. Because there's always that fear that you're going to run into the result before you've actually seen what happens. Someone's going to text you. A text, a phone message. And back in the day, that, that I don't know. I've got a story for you here in a second. The old TiVo, which it was at the time, like not even DVR, if you t- whatever you're recording in the moment, like you could run it back and then cart, but if you change the channel, it went away. It's not like it saved that chunk of whatever it is you were watching. It just if you flipped over to win the or to watch the Padre game, you go back, it was gone forever. And, and that was it. So that's a tough break, Nick, but don't watch sports on 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 delay, watch them live. When I was working for Rome, we had the, this – people used to send Jim stuff a lot, like kind of cool stuff that they wanted him to try out and just, yeah. you know, kind of have him be kind of a tester for this kind of stuff. And more often than not, he like would – Like the ab roller. Yeah, like the ab roller. He would uh, he would give it to me. And, and you know, some of it I, I – yeah, okay, cool. And some of it just – I don't really have any interest in this either. And he gave me a TiVo that none of us knew what it was. Mm. Right, it was just here. Take that. I don't know what this is. It doesn't make any sense to me. Take it. Take it. You can have it if you want it. I'm like, all right. So I took it home and I opened the box and there were about eight billion cords in this box. I'm like, I have no shot at this. I'm out. I got. I, I don't care. Put it. Put it in the back of the uh, the closet. We buy a new TV or something and we hire a guy to come out to hook everything up. And I say, oh, what about that thing I had in the the closet? And I I bring it out and I said, hey, can you hook this up? And he goes, where did you get this? I'm like, I, I got it from work. He goes, huh? He goes, do you know what this is? I'm like, no, I have no idea what this is. And he goes, there's like a hundred of these. These are impossible to get. Do you know what this is? And he kind of explains it to me. And, and I'm like, oh, it's like a VCR. He goes, it's nothing like a VCR. <laughs> he goes, it, it, is, it is the most uh, unbelievable awesome. piece of technology that you've ever seen in your life. He hooked it up. That thing had been sitting in my closet for a year, Al. I had no idea what it was. It's like the first iPhone. <laughs> kind of. And you're like, yeah, I don't even know what this is. I mean, do people really use these things? <laughs> he looked at me, do you know what this is? No. I have no idea. Just Can you just please hook it up so I can start to play with it a little bit? And I still remember it because it was a year where I would have been the coolest guy in school. Like, I want to come over and watch something that just happened five minutes ago like it was live. It seems so basic now. So it's like far, the first CD player, and you're like, yeah, I'm <laughs> kind good. Of, was, I'm good. And now it's just it, it's exactly that. It's like whatever. It's a DVR. Think about before DVRs. It was one of the first ones that rolled off the line. Mm. Pretty great. All right, the dump is coming up next. It's Travis Lee, seven ten ESPN. With everyone fighting for attention, how can your business stand out and connect with customers? Easy. Get Constant Contact. Constant Contact's award-winning marketing platform has helped millions of small businesses stand out, stay top of mind, and see big results. Fast. Constant Contact makes it easy to promote your business with powerful tools like email and SMS marketing, social media posting, and even events management. With Constant Contact, you'll reach new audiences, grow your customer list, and communicate more effectively to sell more, raise more, and fast-track growth. Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. 
Constant Contact's writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence, knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contact's best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contact's expert live customer support. Plus, everything's backed by their 30-day money-back guarantee. So get going and start growing your business today with a free trial at ConstantContact.com. Just go to ConstantContact.com right now. Constant Contact, helping the small stand tall. ConstantContact.com. Ten seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships. Your skills. Your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a one dollar per month trial period at Shopify.com/network. All lowercase. Go to Shopify.com/network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify.com/network. You know that I like to be loyal to my people, Slee, right? The uh, the Gauchos in the world and, of yeah. course, the Arcadia Apaches in the world. Happy birthday to none other than Stevie Nicks, who turns 76 years old today, a uh, Arcadia High alumnus like myself. So congratulations Amazing. to her on her 76th birthday. You a Fleetwood Mac fan? Um, I'm a little late to the game, but that I'm okay with that. Like I, I think there are times where people will say, Hey, do you know much about this band? It's like, no, tell me. So if I need to know more, I'll go listen. They're they're yeah. fantastic, but I'm very late to the game. Emily uh, loves them. Yeah, I love Fleetwood Mac. I've seen them in uh, in concert. I saw them uh, before uh, Christy McVie passed. I saw it back in 2018, 2018 in Connecticut. Um, was amazing show um i love rumors i mean obviously how did that's... you find it em because they're obviously well they got started well yeah. before your time so it was both my parents listened to the rumor uh to back here and there but then also like it's a lot of this pop culture stuff so <laughs> no people are going to judge me but they did an entire episode of glee where they did all <laughs> uh fleetwood mac songs and obviously i go back and look at it and I'm like actually this is banger and then they ended up being on a lot of my rotation in uh, my first year of college and I listened to the um, all of their albums a bunch of times I had it I had the Fleetwood Mac best classics on cassette in my old car that you still only had cassette players mm. and then I have a CD player right now of a couple of their CDs and then I have records of them so I love Fleetwood Mac I feel like they're timeless I think they're it's just haunting beautiful well-written amazing so I, that's what I was gonna say the one thing I like about and they're a perfect example it kind of doesn't matter what generation, what era era you grew up in. You can listen to that music. This is good music, right? And there's certain, I think that a lot of times we get stuck with, oh, that's 80s or that's 90s or that's 70s or that's early 2000s. If it's good music, it's good music. It lasts forever. I thought you were going to tell us about your favorite episode of Glee. Oh. Hey. <laughs> well, I was. It was the right timing. But for we don't me. have enough time. We don't have enough time. <laughs> How for could me you to pick? Right? There's too many to choose from. Season one of Glee is underrated, guys. I do know that it, it yep. is bad by the end, but it, there is some funny stuff in Glee. That show's had like some weird, like really bad luck to their. Yes, cast, there's right? a lot of cursedness Curse, of it. Uh, several, of, so a couple of them have um, passed early um, and have bad luck. So yeah, there is some sadness about Glee, but in general. 
Glee did open me up to a lot. Like Journey, I learned from Glee. Um, Fleetwood Mac, I learned from Glee. A lot of Madonna's old catalog. Vanilla Ice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I, you cannot downplay that this is a way into, to introduce newer generations. I'm just teasing you. No, you no, 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 Drake. About it. <laughs> yeah, why not? Right. Yep. Um, today is National Road Trip Day. Do you have a favorite road trip, Slee? Whether it's a like a favorite, like literal road trip where you're in a car, or just a trip you took that wasn't like a family vacation that you just like. That's that's the perfect trip that I've All taken. Right, let me ask, what's the? Because I have one in mind, but I want to ask. Go. I want to hear about de- that one. The definition of a road trip is X amount of hours. It like could how be do a you define days. a road trip? It could be a, a long weekend. It could be a week. It could be a month if you want okay, to be. Okay, so. I had two of my buddies in college, and we drove up to Sequoia, okay? So from San Diego up to Sequoia, about an eight-hour, maybe nine-hour drive, something like that. It was the perfect crew, and it was all the BS that you would do in college. It was stopping in random places. It was eating the worst stuff you could possibly eat. It was getting up to the campsite and not giving a you-know-what for three days or whatever it was. It was barbecuing and grilling it was it is like amazing uh what you had at night too to help it, um what's the best way that i can put this relax yeah yeah you call it relax or trip out or whatever you want to say oh okay yeah yeah it could be a little bit um but I, I, that to me was one of my favorite road trips that sounds awesome em do you have a favorite one okay so there are two m- memorable ones for bad reasons and then there are two ones that are for good reasons do you want the good or the bad one of each. Okay, so bad. Uh, we all know about my first one that came. Well, we don't all to know, get out but here. the one to get out here was a pretty bad road trip. I love my dad, and it was a great time of bonding with my dad, but maybe not the best circumstances. But <laughs> what you don't know about is I drove the car even older than this one that I currently have. The, Just so um, people may not know, she and her dad drove from Connecticut to yes. Los Angeles in a car that would not cooperate. And it broke down in St. Louis. <laughs> it was really fun. I was stuck there for two days. But I drove from Virginia to Arkansas to work at a summer camp Ooh. there, and my car was older than me and then I had uh, gotten to Arkansas I was literally two miles from camp and my tire blew up and so then I had to wait and I had to call the um Luckily, it's close to camp, so people came and helped me out with my with my tire. But I had a lot of tire issues. Good memory is uh, I went to so I was I was a club water polo player in college, so we did not have you know chartered buses, all the good stuff. So we took uh, several different cars to nationals. Nationals that year was in Pittsburgh, so I went from Virginia to Pittsburgh, and I had a, ca- a crew of like three other girls in my car, and we drove the entire way. We had great tunes, great vibes, and I don't know if you guys know the movie. Um, perks of being a wallflower, but it no. takes place in Pittsburgh, and a girl comes out of the roof and like puts their arms out in the tunnel, and like it's like in this moment we're infinite. My friends all took turns doing that out of my roof. It was really fun, cool. good vibes, and we played well. Taylor, so I took a twenty eight hundred mile round trip Whoa. road trip. So I Damn. drove to Seattle first. Well, I, I did Big Sur. I stopped at Big Sur. Beautiful. And then I stopped in um, Oregon. I stopped in Olympia. I, did, I visited three state capitals. Went to Seattle, and then instead of coming straight back, I went down through Idaho on the way back. Went through Nevada, Carson City, Tahoe. By yourself, or were you by with myself? Somebody? No kidding. Yeah, and I slept in the back of how, my truck. How long ago was that? It was uh, four years ago, I guess. Wow. Yeah. How long did it take to go that far? I did over seven days. That's pretty fast. All the way up I, there I and booking. all the way back? Yeah. That is the definition of a real road trip. That is awesome. 
So did you do? Was it a planned thing? Because the fact that you did it by yourself I just, is, is I'd the always most wanted, interesting part yeah, to me. I'd, I'd always wanted to do it and didn't really know who to do it with, so just did it by myself. Did you love just, it? One like has it been something that had been on your books for like okay, I'm June first, I'm taking off, and you did it, or is it you know what I'm I doing had, it today? Yeah, I had some time off over. It was a Christmas break, and I just I just went ahead and did it. Yeah, it was beautiful. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I'm very that that's that's the winner. That's the winner. Mine's a little bit different. It's kind of a combination of what Emily's talking about and what you two guys are talking about. When the Gauchos went to the College World Series in 2016, I got to go spend a long weekend with one of my closest friends, Antonio Vernon, and we got to go watch. He was a teammate of mine in Santa Barbara. We got to go watch our team play in an event that we never thought they were going to be awesome. in ever. We got to see a lot of old friends that we'd completely lost touch with between the time we were done. And it's 20 years between those two things. Got to reconnect with those guys. The city of Omaha is oddly awesome. It, you know, you think about it in the middle of nowhere, right? You know, in Nebraska, it's a pretty cool little town. It's a cool small town. There's a lot going on. Everybody's excited. It was baseball, and I didn't have to make a long drive. We, we flew. It was, it was a, a hell of a way to spend a weekend. That was a very, very good National weekend. road trip day. That's solid. So here's one. You, you, you guys will all remember this. Ireland, you'll remember this as well. Today in 1993 was the day that Jose Canseco bounced the ball off of his head over the fence for a home run. That Jose Canseco had a lot of – They still run that <laughs> clip. Constantly. Just a lot of bizarre moments in his life, but that might be the defining Jose Canseco moment. I didn't hear because I, I wasn't listening and I just walked in. You know, there's a, this is a famous day in Lakers history. Did you hit it? The Ori shot? Yeah. Yes. So you guys were talking earlier about how heartbreaking. That's how we got started on it. Yeah. It, uh, to me, like the biggest heartbreak in my lifetime, and you guys are all too young for this, but in 84 – the Lakers played the Celtics in the finals. We won three games by 17 points. Mm-hmm. They won four games by six points. I know. <laughs> so it was like this much. But Taylor, that game, how old were you when that game happened? Oh, I was 11. 11 okay. years old. So I was at every one of those games. You're talking about in 84. No, no. I was, no I'm talking about in the 2001 Western gotcha. Conference Finals. Gotcha, gotcha. So I'm at every one of those games, and the Kings were just better than us. They controlled... I would say 80% of the series. So they were up 2-1. That was game four. They're, they dominated the whole game. Yep. And then the Lakers chipped away, chipped away, chipped away. Even on the final play, Shaq threw up kind of a weak layup, and Vlade Divac did exactly what he should do, swatted the ball out, and Ori just happened to be standing right at the three-point line, and he had no time to do anything other than grab the ball and shoot a three. And it goes in. And for a second, everybody was in shock. But Taylor, it was still 2-2. So the Kings win again in Sacramento in Game 5, and it's 3-2. Yeah, had that great shot. Game yeah. Five, yeah. And was then that the in, weird foul game in yeah, Game 6? Yeah, in Game 6, they still talk about it. <laughs> I remember that one. I think they called 45 fouls or something on the Kings. A foul's a foul. There were 27 fouls on the Kings in the fourth quarter. Right. Was Scott Foster there? Oh, my No, gosh. but... I think Tim Donaghy was, and the one that called the most fouls, I think, was Dick Pavetta. Yeah. But um, so the Lakers escape, and then they go to seven uh, game seven, Taylor, and here's what I'll never forget. The best shooter on the Kings was Peja, Peja Stojakovic. Disappeared. And, well, so the game's <laughs> the corner super three. tight. Super tight. Not even a three. Mm-hmm. He, The Lakers screw up on defense with the game on the line at the end of regulation, 
and leave Stojakovic, the best shooter in the league at the time, wide open. And he's got a wide open shot to win the game in the series. And he shoots an air ball. And I looked at my photographer and I went, this is over. John, they, three they feet just, to the right. They just it wasn't even it, not even. They just, just tightened ball. up to the point where I mean, it would. Trav, it was the equivalent I of remember. a three foot putt yeah. to win the Masters, and you don't hit the hole. And you not only don't hit the hole, you blow it by three feet. <laughs> so I I could be misremembering this, but I want to say because I know exactly the shot you're talking about. There was a camera directly behind Peja. I want to say, yeah, that was. Tr- and the, I was sitting underneath that basket. The second it left his shot, his hand, <laughs> it like had like a screwball action. It started like cutting towards the. He foul threw a line. slider. It was the weirdest. Like you said, he wasn't just a good shooter; he was the best shooter. And Matter of fact, if you were to say Taylor, tell me if I'm wrong. If you were to say to a Kings fan, give me anyone in Kings history to hit an open shot with the game on the line, he might be number one. Unless it's against the I mean, Lakers. maybe Mitch Richmond, maybe if you go more modern day. Um, Bibby was I more like, clutch. I like Bibby, yeah. yeah. Was more clutch, but Pedro was a sharpshooter. That's what he's supposed to do. All right, let's, I, I, I want to get Mason on this, too, because I'm, we, we all have one of these. Yep. Let's do a little super crosstalk. All right, Mace, so we're – John brought it up. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah. Today is the 21st anniversary of Robert Ory knocking down that shot against yep. the Kings. Sure. Right? That, and by the way, not just one of the great shots, one of the great videos of all time where you see everybody in Staples Center jump to their feet as the ball goes through. Just an unbelievable overhead shot yes. of the whole place. Yes. It was his baptism to sometimes sports is the worst feeling in the world. Yeah, yeah. Mine was Jack Clark hitting a home run off of Tom Needenfewer in 1985 mm-hmm. NLCS, first base open. The only guy on the roster that could actually hit the ball out of the ballpark. And he threw him a strike right down the middle. Right down the middle yeah. and hit halfway up the left field pavilion, and that was the end of that Dodgers right, season. Right, right. Uh, what is yours? So it's not really a baptism. Like, I can go back and think of individual games, right? Like uh, the Super Bowl and was it 1980, I think, Rams. We were leading at halftime and lost to the Steelers. Leading at the end of three quarters, I think. And and that was a super bummer. This is the story I'll tell. So my best friend and I, Don Harris, went to every USC game for years and years and years. And uh, Don, uh, the late, great Don Harris, hail fellow well met, uh, had cancer. And so we went through great, great effort, wheelchairs and all kinds of stuff to get him to a game back in 2014. And it was going to be his last game, uh, 2015, his very last game. And so Pat Hayden was really nice about it. He said, oh, you can sit in our box. And so we're up there. And so I don't know if you remember this game, but uh, USC had a lead uh, and Jalen Strong uh, was a wide receiver for Arizona State. I think the quarterback was Matt Berkovich, if okay. I'm not mistaken. Trojans had a lead. It came down to a Hail Mary. Perfect Hail Mary. Pa- lost that game 38-34, and it was devastating. And it was Don's last game. And mm. It was awful. It was an awful experience. But losing that way is really painful. It's it's the worst. Yeah, it's the worst. It's what makes the good stuff the good stuff. I yeah, guess. Yeah, right? exactly. If you didn't care, it wouldn't. It wouldn't hurt like. And that. by the way, we saw national championships with Don and I did. So we saw lots of greats. That happened to be the last one. The Miami football game for you with UCLA has oh, to be yeah. on the list. Well, except that you could see it coming from a mile away. We had a terrible defense that year, uh, yet 
it didn't matter because we, we I'm not making the scope go back and look at it. We averaged 41 points a game. <laughs> so our defense could be terrible and it wouldn't matter. And this was the hurricane game, right? Yeah, it, it was delayed. a re- it was supposed to be in September. Yeah, and the reason that will always stick in my mind is so I got married on January 2nd of that year. So um I had two honeymoons in place. If UCLA, I was a sideline reporter for UCLA football. Oh, okay. If UCLA went to the national championship oh, game, I was going one place. Yep. And if um, if they didn't go Sun to the Bowl? national championship game, <laughs> yeah. I was going someplace else. So uh, when when that started to turn into a track meet, I said, oh, we'll just outscore them. And they just kept scoring. Every Edger and James ran wild, and they kept scoring when we scored. And I went, uh-oh, we may have run out of luck here. And sure enough, we did. Well, you remember the, the year USC was undefeated going into the last game of the year, and it was against UCLA, and we lost like 13-12 to 12 or 14-11. Oh, 13-9. I knew Ugly. it was a, John Ugly. David Booty. Awful game. That was an awful game. I mean, I can think Probably of- Probably the highlight of Carl Durrell's coaching career. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that Literally. was huge. The one and only. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. I mean, I you know. Game, game seven of the World Series, 2018 Super. I mean, there's so many games. But but losing does, and like, for example, with the case of the Rams, 2018 Super Bowl, we flew to Atlanta, we yeah. did all this stuff, and it was a terrible loss. And that was a terrible loss, but it didn't get ripped out of your hands. You no, just, no. You just lost Although the we game. were right there, had Brandon right. Cooks made that one catch, not that I'm stuck in a moment, but had Brandon Cooks made that one catch, Come we were in the, the game. Ball. Come e- back to the exactly, ball. Exactly, yeah. exactly. But that w- that's what makes winning all the sweeter right i mean uh, there's a whole... taylor wouldn't know anything about that but <laughs> but Ouch. losing does make the winning sweeter talk about ripped out of your hands there's a whole state full of people that the reason the rams were in the super bowl is because they had it ripped out of their hands exactly tommy lee, lewis, tommy lee lewis right yeah with nicole roby coleman nicole yeah. nicole laid him out like a, a waffle in the frying how's that john how's that laid him out like a waffle house frying pan exactly <laughs> john exactly. Do, you, do you agree when michael says he always says that He'd rather get blown out than lose by one no, or two. No, completely or disagree. Have always disagreed with him. Uh, I think it's idiotic. I would. I would never. I want to play my best, and if my best doesn't win, not my day. I never want to lose by fifty. Yeah, no. I totally agree. I, I don't. Michael want to says be... no because if you. His point is, if you lose by one, you remember it the rest of your life. If you get blown out, you forget it the next. Although day. there is, if you're getting blown out, you just kind of go numb. Right, you go numb and you don't well, really feel. Don't, we don't. We don't bring up. We don't. We don't bring up any of those memories with our teams, right? Where we're saying, "Oh, when we lost by thirty-five, no, we're only bringing well, up the heartbreakers." Okay, so let, I got one for us, and I was in the building. I know you were in the building too. SC Texas Rose yep. Bowl. Well, yeah, okay, I think I think this is where you're going, but I've never forgotten this because Mason and I were sitting next to each other. For some reason, they gave us these unbelievable media seats. Okay, we were on like the 40 yard line. And they were outside. It was a yeah. beautiful. Yeah, we were basically night. in the, the east side of the stadium. Yeah. We were yeah. in the stands, like 30 rows up. I'm, I'm, yeah. We're looking at each other on credentials, and we we're like, "How do we get these seats?" <laughs> That's amazing. So right in the middle of the game, it's going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Reggie Bush. The lateral. The lateral. To a oh, white geez. guy who hadn't had a carry all year. It's like a fullback yeah, or something. Yeah, like a guy, and the guy was so super shocked he dropped it. Texas picked up the ball, and SC never recovered. So that, to, to going back to the blowout or have a, the reason that that, not just because Vince Young was unstoppable that night, which he was, but it literally, it's that play that you're talking about. It's the decision, the Lendell White play that they got stuffed and turned it back yep. over. It wasn't even the play call. It was the fact that Reggie Bush wasn't even on the field. Something there, that, that both Sark me. and Lane refused to admit was a mistake to mm. this day. It was. 
and it was and a it, it's it's it's, so, it's 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 undeniable. Okay, so I want to I want to circle back. But to don't I, you keep going through that ten thousand times more sure. than if you just got housed? And yeah, like, but I, I don't care. The, the Mason and I say it, and and uh, we were the SC station at that point, and you said it was already out of it. So we were both rooting for USC that day sure. because we were going to go on the next day and get you know monster ratings. We had the SC games on our station back then. And we looked at each other at the end of that game, and we went, I think that's the best game I've ever seen. Me too. Yeah. And our team lost. Yeah, it yeah. was you know? the team I was rooting for lost, and yet I've come to respect that game and that Vince Young it, performance. The, the, the performance. It was just a magnificent night. It was so night. good. It's the, it's the second greatest thing I've ever seen with my own two eyes. The, the, the Were you just one. there as a fan that day? Uh, yeah, we go yeah. every year to the Rose Bowl. That's right. just oh, that's kind right. of our family tradition. That's your tradition. family tradition. Yeah, that's yeah. What we okay, do. So. But the, the best thing I ever saw with my two eyes was the first time Holyfield knocked out Tyson because, because they, nobody no, saw there wasn't it coming. A person in the world that thought yeah. Mike Tyson was going to lose that fight, and Holyfield, I'll, I'll never ever forget it. Opening round, right? And, and buddy of mine, was a baseball teammate of mine, worked for Don King, and gave us the seats that you had for the Rose Bowl. Yeah, I had those for that fight. Right. I was five rows behind ring. Wow, it was which unbelievable. Is, which is awesome, unbelievable. So Let the me, bell rings. Good. He comes racing, Mike Tyson. Remember how ding ding ding, and he'd run across the yeah. ring, yep. and he'd hit you with a flurry. And nine out of ten times, guy goes yeah. down. Marvis Frazier, so done he, in 30 seconds. He goes across the ring, whap, 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 whap. And Holyfield goes, doesn't even take a backward step. Right. He's just, and you could feel it in the moment. Mike goes, oh, man, I got to fight this guy. Yeah. And you could feel it in the moment. Like, hold, the first time Mike had run into somebody in a long time that wasn't scared of him. And then that rest of the night, Holyfield just chopped him yep. down yep. until he because he, rea- he realized every you know it's only his old line everyone has a plan until they get he, hit yep. mike got hit nobody knew what hit him so taylor this isn't to rub salt in your wounds but but um, it is as soon as he says that no, it sort of is. Is. my broadcast idol is chick hearn sure. the guy who did the laker games for 40 years of statue of him outside the stadium he's if you you know chick died in 2002 so a lot of our younger listeners never got to hear him do a game um one night when you've got some time just type into a youtube search chick hearn and I mean, there's just never been anybody close. He's he he was the best basketball play by play announcer I've ever heard before, since ever. He Chick was so shocked that Robert Ory made that shot. He forgot to say who made it. Here's here's Chick's call, and you'll hear Chick sounding like Chick doing his thing, and Stu comes in and goes, Robert Ory, <laughs> Chick, listen to this. Well, here we go. Let's see what happens. Ball out of bounds, sideline. Fox has got it right in front of him. Brings the ball into Shaq out above the three. Shaq gives the ball off, and they get it to the man they want to have it, and that's Kobe. Kobe to the dribble. Kobe underneath. Puts it up. No whistle. Shaq made rebound and missed it. One second, and the count of it goes. Yes, Chick goes, Robert, Stu goes, Robert Ori, and Chick Chick was like, the Lakers win the game. I don't believe this just happened. But, like, do you know? What year was that? 2001. It's amazing how much technology has changed. Right. It sounded 1965. It was was literally probably some guy with a tape recorder recording an an old radio thing. But even, even then... It's how descriptive Chick is. Like, you know, Fox is here. Fisher's here. They get Shaq. Now the guy, they got it to the guy they wanted to get to, Kobe. And then all of a sudden, so many things happen. Chick just goes, the Lakers win the game. <laughs> and Stu goes, Robert Ory. Robert well, that, Ory just hit a three. John, that, yeah. that was one of the things with Chick where 
he would call the game and you felt his emotion. You could tell even in his voice, he didn't think they were going to win. Kobe misses. Yeah. Right. Shaq misses. Yeah. And then a tip out just comes. He's probably thinking to himself, is there even enough time? So that, that was part of it, too. It's like you could even tell in his voice, okay, they're not going to win this game after Shaq and Kobe first missed the yeah. shots. Well, that, I, I've been doing a lot of podcasts lately since the Lakers made this deep run in the playoffs, and everybody has been asking me, how are the Lakers doing this? And I said, well, guys, this has been the formula for the Lakers for years. Get two big stars and surround them with people that can make shots under pressure. I said, I can't tell you how many times when the Lakers did their three-peat, I heard other coaches and other fans say, I can't believe we're losing to Rick Fox, Derek Fisher, and Robert Ory. <laughs> yeah. And it's because they would double-team Shaq, double-team Kobe, and those guys were great at hitting wide-open shots. And then you fast-forward to the Powell-Kobe Lakers, and it was the same thing. It was Derek Fisher hitting wide-open shots, Ron Artest hitting wide-open shots. If you get, and, and that's why Denver is dangerous, because guys like Michael Porter and KCP and Bruce and Brown, Brown have been doing that. Yeah, yeah they've yeah. been getting contributions from all of those All right, guys. so uh, I, I want to ask you, Travis Rogers, yeah. since you're uh, our resident food guy, what's the uh, Memorial Day barbecue plan? You know, Sleek kind of talked me into something that I was not planning on doing, and it's kind of super classic but yeah burgers and dogs clam chowder Bur- nothing wrong yeah <laughs> crab bisque crab bisque is good for memorial yeah, day burgers dogs a little watermelon a little fruit platter burgers a pull, and dogs beer. you never go wrong with you never right. go wrong with a with a dog no no I mean, seriously and a dog the, you get it nice and charred and sort of pla- yeah. yeah put it on that top rack so it gets oh, hot and then finish yeah. it on the bottom rack and the buns you put the buns on I there for a second a to get that i've told you guys this, this before but yes. does this make me does this make me weird yes yep yeah, absolutely, one hundred percent. I will only put ketchup on a hamburger, and I will only put mustard on a hot dog. Emily, would you like to take this one? Because she yelled at me. I said the same thing. I say. By the way, I am in complete alignment. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why are we like that? Because <laughs> it doesn't. It's feel, a condiment. Yeah. I, I, there's no good reason, but it's the right decision. It is the right decision. But how did we all get there? Because I mean, we, never, we didn't talk about this in advance. I mean, mustard it, and ketchup go like it's like steak sauce. It goes with beef. It goes if ketchup, with if ketchup's on your dog. Are you not eating it? Not eating it. We'll really? not put. Uh, we'll I would. Not I would put, offer it to someone else and see if I could get yeah, one. I will not eat a hot dog right. with ketchup yeah. on it. That's just not right. right. I'm a mustard and onions guy. Yeah, I'm going classic on that. Very quickly, what happens in succession on Sunday night? Who comes out on top? Kendall. Kendall. I'm the only one saying this. I think Shiv is gonna is gonna sneak in there like a horse running coming from the back. I think Shiv's gonna take it. Is cousin Greg available for me to draft in this yes, situation? Yes, he is. Yes, by he the is. way, cousin I, Greg is really tight with Matson now. I'm yep. I'm listening to a lot of Succession podcasts this week. Do you guys? Well, just ask you. Who's the youngest Roy kid? It's uh, Shiv, right? Roman. Who do you think, Slate? Do you watch Succession, Slate? No, I know Connor's the oldest. Con- yeah. I'm the oldest son. I'm the oldest son. <laughs> Greg, do you know? Roman. Uh, Emily, what do you think? Roman? Yeah. It's Shiv. Yeah, I thought it was Shiv. Shiv. So yeah. Bill Simmons, or uh, no, Chris Ryan and Andy Greenwald, who do a thing called The Watch on The Ringer, have been assuming for years, their succession's like their favorite show, Yeah. that they that Roman's the youngest, and they were talking about how Roman crumbled under pressure when he was given the eulogy, blah, blah, blah. And they, and they said that's often happens with the youngest child. And they did a whole 20-minute rant on the youngest child. And Casey Bloys, the guy that runs HBO, sent him an email saying, you guys know Shiv is the youngest. And, and yeah. he went, and they both, Greenwald and Ryan went, no, he's not. Or okay. no, she's not. So then they, then Bloys called Jesse Armstrong, the creator of Succession, and said, give me the order of the kids by age. 
and Shiv is the youngest. Yeah, I, I don't know why. I just assumed that she was. I don't know why, but Emily dropped this. I had no idea. Did you guys know that Roman has a child or children? No. Really? I know Kendall does. I don't know. All right, so here's what happened. I looked this up in a People magazine, too. So it's so in the first episode, you're, you see him with kids. He does wear a wedding band, and he has a woman in his life. I know. Go back and rewatch wow. it. I did but watch episode I one, and you're right. I, I went back and watched episode so one this week. It's his girlfriend, and it's his girlfriend's kids. Apparently, it's how uh, Kieran explained it, oh, okay. and that he was excited that to work with sense. kids, and he wanted to have that be a part of the thing, but then it eventually got scrapped. Because Roman, the, the, the character, there's should so much, never have kids. Honestly, there's <laughs> no, so much stuff not. about the setup and expedition that they they write in and they drop and it's that's the one critique i have of succession at some points i want her to start her mtv podcast at the conclusion of succession because nobody's more invested in this than she is yeah. and she's and in, given it in multiple succession. layers of thought yes. yeah yeah there are a bunch of really good succession podcasts she, so you know, here's what's weird i there are absolute leaks out there like if you were to look the if you want to know, you can know. You can know oh, the explanation. And I don't want to know no. the explanation. So I've been avoiding succession articles. Okay. And, and podcasts Somebody all week. sent me an article that I didn't read it. Yeah. But that, that suggests Tom will somehow I've heard that rise too. to I've the heard top. Tom. I've heard Tom. Which I would be surprised yeah. by. Well, so go back to the Wom's Seinfeld. Wom's bang or Wom's whatever it is. Wom's bang, gone. Wom's gone. When Wom's the Seinfeld... If Cousin Greg rises to the top, it would just be the oh, most be so the, the goofiest thing ever. When the Seinfeld finale was being shot and getting ready to be put on the air, yeah, there were all sorts of leaks about it. And they were all kind of right. You know what I mean? Right. Like they, they, they had all of these things. They, they didn't have the whole plot line of it, but they had all these different The right scenes. idea. So if they're out there, there's probably a pretty good chance that oh, yeah, it's Some are based on. in truth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's yeah. something to it. All right, guys. Enjoy the uh, Robert Ori anniversary. Super Crosstalk is powered by In-N-Out Burger. That's what a hamburger is all about. Have a wonderful Memorial Day weekend, and we will see you on Tuesday.